thank you for this time tonight to enter into your presence with worship, to recognize who you are to us, to sing, to sing it out, you are so good. God, so we say it again, you are so good. Despite everything that we've been through, everything that we may have experienced, we know that your goodness, your faithfulness follows us all the days of our lives. So we thank you for that. We ask your blessing over this word that's going to be given tonight. We thank you for everything that you're going to do through it. We plant it in our hearts, and we're so thankful for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so tonight um, the stage may be looking a little bit different to you, those of you who are here and online. Um, we have something special prepared for tonight. Uh, we're going to be doing sort of a community discussion about community. So uh, we have a, a, a number of folks that are coming up. I'll pass the conversation off to, to uh, Pastor Tim, and we'll get started. All right. Well, welcome. It's so good to have all of you here tonight. So one thing that I think is very, I'll say it's, it's, it's been a privilege in my life, is when I get to be part of a conversation between maybe maybe like Pastor Dwayne and Rick Renner, and I'm just in the room and just get to feed off the knowledge and the the wisdom that those that that they have. So we're gonna we're gonna try that tonight. We're just gonna have a conversation amongst the four of us. I did want to start though, kind of before we get going, and just allow you guys a quick second, and we'll start on that side. Just introduce yourself and, and uh, kind of your name, and maybe if you're a part of a ministry or if you're on staff or whatnot, we'll just start on the end and work this way. Yeah, so I'm Jared Blaukamp, and I'm a student here actually at the Leaders for Christ Training Center, and I serve in the Children's Church on Sunday mornings too, so that's super fun. I'm Pastor Merle Bramer. Um, I take care of pastoral care and marriage ministry and hospitals, things like that. I've been on staff for 20 plus years, so thank you. Hi, my name is Rachel Gillio, and uh, my husband and I did generation ministry and kids and youth ministry for our first 10, 11 years of marriage. Um, I grew up here since I was five years old, started here in 1989. No, 1989. I started attending here, and my passion for, especially tonight, is I grew up under the radar here yep. and went away from the Lord, not in my heart, but in every other area of my life. Um, and when I got saved in a college ministry at age 22, my passion was to come back to the church, that, to my church when I graduated and to give my life to the youth here. So that's my story. All right. Yeah, you can clap for her. She's my favorite. It's my wife. Uh, and then uh, my name's Tim Gilio. I've been on staff for, I think it's 16 years now. I was Jared's youth pastor back in the day, a long time ago, uh, and uh, now, yeah, he was stuck with us for a while, and then uh, now I'm the connections operations pastor, so I work with helping people get connected, so, and, oh yeah, and married life, woo woo, plug married life first Wednesday of every month, come on. Our youth started getting married, so we had to keep going. There you go. Uh, so... So how this is going to work is I'm just going to ask one question, and that's going to start a conversation, and then we're going to just keep that conversation going and to see what God wants to share. And basically, the question I'm going to ask is, I'm going to ask one of these amazing people their perspective on what community is, what a healthy community is, and why we should live inside of a healthy community. Does this sound good to you guys? All right. Well, I'm going to... Pastor Merle, I'm going to let you open this one up because I determined whoever sat in that chair was going to do it, and you sat down. So, <laughs> so Pastor Merle, what's your perspective on what it, what it means to live inside of a healthy community? I would say, first of all, community really is a representation of the family of God. You know, everywhere throughout the Bible, God talks about body. He talks about family. He talks about many members. He says things like he sets the members in the body as he chooses. So I would say community is a relationship between people for their common good. And, uh, you know, I think community is often 
a need that's felt or a need to give is felt. It's like community is a little bit like your body. Many members all have a purpose. Each one functions. And it says when that body functions the way it's supposed to, everybody benefits. And that's kind of like community. If you're in a community, you'll benefit, but the other people benefit. It's relational. Yeah, so, so what I hear in that, if you can kind of feed into this a little bit, is if everyone functions in the way that they're supposed to, everyone benefits. But there's two kinds of things that can happen out of that. One is a part of the body can try to operate in and of itself on its own, and that will lead to a, a, a not, an unsuccessful outcome. And, but you can also have where one part of the body tries to be the exact same as another part. So just feed into what does it mean to kind of find your place in the body, find your place in the community, and then what does it mean to like try to do it on your own or try to be what someone else is trying to do? Yeah, I believe the Bible makes it pretty clear that God gives everybody gifts and talents and personalities. You know, we're formed in God's image. So to a certain degree, when his spirit lives in us, I think you begin to recognize what makes you tick. You know, I don't have any problem knowing what my foot's supposed to do or what my ear is supposed to do. And when I need my ear, my foot don't do much good. And it's kind of like a very graphic picture of what you're supposed to do. See, every member of the body has a function, and everybody should participate. And like I said, everything benefits. You will be fulfilled, and you will find purpose, and you will glorify God, and you'll be salt, and you'll be light when you're part of a community because they need you, and you'll make a difference. So everybody benefits. I can, I I think of, uh, like, if we think of biblical characters, I think of King Saul. Yeah. And his, his, so King Saul's example compared against King David's example. And King Saul took and isolated himself. And when he uh, did something where he went against the word of God, he isolated himself. And basically that moment when he chose to go against God's command, where he sacrificed, he performed the sacrifice that that the prophet Samuel was supposed to do. When, when King Saul did that, he isolated himself, and that was like the turning point to his destruction. But then you have like King David, who honestly, in my perspective, King David probably did what would be considered a worse thing when he stole, some, stole Uriah's wife. He had Uriah killed to cover it up, and all this, it, but David, instead of isolating and withdrawing, he drew into the community. I'll say one more thing. I, I totally agree. You know what? If you look at God's commands or God telling you what to do, love, joy, peace, patience, every instruction of God is relational. It's relationship with God and it's relationship with each other. Every temptation of the enemy is anti-relational and will divide you. You know, God joins, the devil divides. That, that makes me think of like Matthew 22, 37, 39. Like Jesus says, literally like all of the prophets, all of the Old Testament, everything, it hangs on these two things. And it's love God and love other people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And you see that when it's like biblical community centered on the person of God, centered around Jesus and centered around the Holy Spirit, and then committed to one another in love. And I think it's exactly what he's saying. Okay, so I love, like I love what Jared said. Those two things, but they're big things. And when I gave my life to the Lord at 22, I was really good at collecting community. Like I naturally, even in my life away from the Lord, I loved people. That was innate in me. I saw the best in everybody and everything. That was innate in me because God's a good God who still gives wonderful gifts, no matter if we're living for him or not. And I found myself in a community. 
of dead bones. Like, honestly, like, I was in the bars. I was partying. Like, I was a fun girl to be around, and I could make a lot of fun. But it wasn't for the Lord. And when I came to that moment that I gave my life fully to surrender to Jesus, I meant it. And it had to look different. And so Acts 2 really has been hitting me, that hitting my heart. And I really just wanted to share because it said um, in Acts 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So you can feel like you have community because you're all together with a large group of people. But it's amazing when you're in a room with a whole group of people that's not there for Jesus how empty and how alone you can feel. There's a worship song that says, like, though I may be surrounded by all these people, like, it's only you that's with me. And that's how I found myself. So it's, they were all together in one place, but they were in the same place, not only physically, they were in the same place surrendering their life to what Jesus was having them wait for. And that was the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that was their mission afterwards, to go. And so, like, to me, I had to sacrifice a lot. (laughs) I had to pluck myself. I literally had people asking me, Rachel, why did all these things happen in the Bible? And I go back now and see I was unprepared. God is so good because now I can go back to those people and say, I know the answer now. 20 years later. But I think this is what hit me, is finding a community where you're all together in one place. Not just we're here at a Bible study, because you can be at a Bible study that has not got any Jesus in it. Like, it just isn't. You know, you make it into a gossip club, or you can make it into a complaining or mumbling about your life or your husband or your friendships or your boss. I encourage you, find a, find a group that you can come together and be in one place to say, I'm here for Jesus. I'm here to grow in what he says about me. I'm here to come out better than what I was when I came in and emptier so I can go, you know, because I, I poured out yeah. on people so I can go get filled up. Yeah. But community can be a big sacrifice when you start to have a heart to do it God's way out of that, I love how it says, does it say all together in one place, right? So you need, so you need community because the Lord hasn't created, Proverbs says like, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire, you know, so the Bible, the Bible is clear that we're not created to be alone, we're created to be in community, we're created to be in a body, Pastor Morales, you were talking about, but there also is a huge Okay, maybe like there's a caution, because the caution is we don't just need to be in a community, but we need to be in a community that's drawing us closer to who Jesus is, right? Uh, I think of I think it's I think it's John Maxwell who's uh, John Maxwell says you could take the ten closest people to you, and that's who you become. You tend towards the people that are around you, and you got these people that are in the Bible, and it's like they're committed to not only being in a physical place together, but they're going in the same direction. So, Jared, I had a question for you. I, like, I think you have something to say, and then after you say that, I want to hear, like, your perspective on community because you've really gone out and you've built, like, into people, and you've seen probably positive aspects of community and negative aspects of community, but you could share what you were going to say first. Uh, no, actually, I'll, I'll speak into that first. But, yeah, so I think building definitely, building community for me, I think the, one of the biggest things I've learned about community, especially as I've been in college, I'm a college senior right now, and so just finishing up my degree at Grand Valley State University, but one of the biggest things I've seen is that if you want community, you have to like, take a risk. You have to put yourself out there. You have to be, reach out to those people, and the depth of community really comes at the depth of intentionality that you put into it. And I look back, you know, I've, I have probably around, you know, eight to nine, eight to 10 really close friends at Grand Valley who I would say like, those are my, like, that's my community. These are my people at Grand Valley. But how did I get to those eight to 10 people? It looked like 
you know, calling them every week when I was really tired. It looked like praying for them when, you know, I wanted to go to bed. It looked like, you know, sitting across the table with them and like paying, paying for pizza every single week so we could all get together, you know, like just like different things like that, you know. And it's just like those small things, but those small things over time make a big difference in building like really intentional community. And yeah, and so I think intentionality is like the biggest thing, I think. And that's been the biggest positive impact into community in my life for sure. And so, yeah. You know, um, I got the opportunity to meet with some of my old junior high students that are now in college or, or even out of college. And I've had opportunities to sit down with people like yourself and hear about the incredible things that God is doing through them. And then I've gotten the unfortunate opportunity to sit down with people that they feel so distant from God. Not that they maybe don't believe, but they just feel really distant from God. And in those moments, when I begin to have those conversations, one of the things I always tend to ask people is, who are you surrounding yourself with? You know, because Jesus had his three guys that were close, and then he had the rest of the 12 that were pretty close, and then he had the malt, like the, the seven, you know, 70 after that, and he really kind of set it up where, where Jesus was super intentional about who he surrounded himself with the most, and I think, I think a lot of times what I see, um, I should finish the story, so when I sit down with those guys that are, that are maybe feeling a little bit distant from God, a lot of times, unfortunately, what I hear is they're not surrounded by people that are passionately pursuing the Lord. They're surrounded by people maybe that they just started hanging out with because they work with them or they started hanging out with them because they met them uh, at, at the bowling alley or whatever it is. And there's nothing wrong with hanging out with people that you meet at work or hang out with people that you meet at the bowling alley. But let's be real. If we're, if we're not intentional about who we're allowing to pour into us, I think it's Pastor Dwayne several months ago did the illustration of it's a lot easier to pull someone down than it is to pull someone up. So if you're constantly surrounding yourself with people that are pulling you away from Jesus, like, you're gonna tend to go that direction, you know? It's, it's, yeah, and, like, it's funny because you can see that so plainly on, like, the college campus of, like, even just some of my friends who, you know, in high school were just, like, loving Jesus, right? But it was just, like, it's not that they actively wanted to run away from the Lord. It's, that they weren't actively pursuing him. And so they're just like being idle and that like just by being idle, I mean the current's flowing in one direction already. And if you're idle, you're flowing in that current, you know, and just like running the wrong direction. So just taking that opportunity. Yeah, I think, you know, as we talk about community, you'd say, well, why don't everybody want to get in community? I mean, all the benefits, you know, why would you, why would you hold back? Yeah. Well, you have to realize fear hurt, wounds, past mistrust, and there's, a, there's parameters to community on both sides that you can't get around. You know, and uh, in order to have community, you know, everybody really wants to be loved. Everybody wants acceptance. But in order for that to happen, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be committed. You have to get transparent. And like you're saying, is you have to have heart that has like values. Otherwise, it's not gonna work. If you're going left and I'm going right, uh, we're gonna have a hard time being in community. Rachel, I wanna ask you a question because um, as you alluded to, you kinda went through some different stuff where you were in like some negative communities. How did you navigate finding a healthy community? Because, because you can't, as, as I was kinda saying earlier, um, you have to be very purposed about who you hang out with. So let's say we're in a moment and we're in a season where we're, where we're kind of just drifting with the current. We're going maybe the negative direction. How did you stop and say, I need a healthy community? I mean, I think for me, it was forced because I had gotten so hurt in the community that I was in. And I had been using all the substances that the world offered to comfort me, like allowing alcohol to be my comfort, or relationships, or 
fun parties to be my comfort rather than facing myself, rather than allowing myself to really face my heavenly father and realize that he loved me. And when I had to stop using alcohol to comfort me, honestly, where the Bible says be sober-minded, you know, be vigilant. The devil prowls around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. I think, honestly, when I was sober-minded, I was able to see things differently. And nothing in those communities allowed for me to be sober-minded. So when I got pulled out of that, I found God. I found his voice. It was so easy for me to find his voice in that. Because I think when you're in that, you don't realize the voice that you're listening to is the voice of the enemy. And when he's driving that and he's telling you, you're not good enough, you need to do this. And then all of a sudden, I just got isolated with him and I opened, I cracked. I remember I used to leave, this is how horrible I wanted to be accepted. I made my first Christian friend and I laid my Bible open when they came to pick me up for Bible study. And I laid it open on my couch to make it look like I was Christian because I thought that you had to look Christian to be accepted into like friends that loved Jesus outwardly, right? Um, I just wanted to belong. But honestly, because I had to give up so much, I had a lot of alone time as I was slowly building community. And it started with going to women's Bible study, honestly. Like, I started that as a girl out of college. That was my first thing. Women's Bible study. Oh, other women? Like, you want to pray for me? You want to pray for me? You don't want to just talk about my problems? You want to bring it? You bring this to, to Jesus? He answers? I'm hearing testimonies of him answering? Um, just starting with vulnerability. And honestly, I started cracking open this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful love letter. I call it my family photo album, like my family history here, the heart of my God. And um, honestly, I really got plunged into community through, I wanted to share my testimony by freeing other women who had been in bondage from sexual, from a sexual history, whether it was from prostitution, sex trafficking, trauma in their childhood. And I kind of had to, that was something that my peers were not part of. So I was ministering on the streets, you know, in Bangkok, Thailand, in Chicago, you know, ministering to prostitutes and nobody at 22 was doing that alone, you know, (laughs) on their Friday and Saturday nights. So I really got plunged into finding community very intentionally. And for me, it was, I just wanted to be around people who weren't just going to keep me where I was at. I wanted to be around people who were going to grow me. And so I was very intentional in who I placed myself around. So, Pastor Merle, I've got, uh, as, I've got a question for you. As a pastor who you really have been in the trenches with a lot of people, you've gone and you've worked through, you know, situations with individuals, situations with marriages. You've kind of, you've probably been through it all, so to speak, um, with, with individuals and couples uh, walking them through as a pastor. So, from your perspective... Like, what do you think are, are very practical things that we should be thinking about when it comes to finding a healthy community and navigating, as you were talking about, like vulnerability and all that stuff? What are like practical things that you think we could do in those situations? See, I believe that as a community, it has to be inviting. It has to be uplifting. It has to be beneficial. There has to be an attraction. It has to be like, how come you always got hope? How come things work out? See, it has to display some kind of Christ-like that makes other people hungry to get in it. So, you know, there's something I would say, you know, like when most people, you know, put their foot in the water, they might be uncomfortable or they might be hesitant. But I could say for myself, way back when I started, I uh, made a drastic change in my life, and all of my friends followed because they saw the change in me. You know, and when they see you have life and you have hope 
and God is blessing you and you have favor, that will attract them. So, and I mean, they all know that, how's that working out for you? <laughs> everybody knows, come on. That's not working out so good. So everybody wants what God has. It's just that they haven't, haven't always seen the right thing, you know, and if you can exemplify that, uh, that will cause community by itself. It has to be exemplified. You know, like Christ, what is he? He's loving. He's accepting. He's forgiving. He gives hope. I mean, see, and, and I could say that for myself, when I first started and the people that followed, you know, God's spirit has a way of bearing witness to them and convincing them that this is what I need. This is what I've been looking for. This is what I haven't found. And God puts a hunger in them. And it's like anything. The more you invest, the more you benefit. I think of the verse that just kind of is popping into my head while we're having this conversation is Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, And it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Um, and, uh, you know, we, as, as, we, as we've kind of been talking about, like you tend to be like those you hang out with. So that, that you could do that in a very practical way and you could do that in a very spiritual way. A very practical way is like, hey, if you want to be a doctor, hang out with doctors. If you want to be really good at softball, hang out with people that are really good at softball. I know my personal story um, is I didn't grow up in a church. Uh, I, I got saved when I was 16, and I went to, to Michigan State University. I remember the first semester at Michigan State University was probably one of the hardest moments of my life because I was a person that believed and loved God, but I didn't have a community to walk that out in. And I got into all sorts of uh, stuff that I shouldn't get into. That's a different story for a different time. But I remember, I remember the moment where I come back here for Christmas. This is 2000 and, so this would be 2003. December of 2003, I come home for Christmas. And my best friend at that time, who's the guy that introduced me to this church, I remember when I started coming here, I'd sit back over in this area. This was the main worship center back then, Sunday morning. Lots of services. But anyways, I remember coming here for Christmas, and my best friend, who was touring with a worship band, uh, he was here for Christmas, and another one of our friends, and, and us three guys, like, we hung out all the time. And they were really my community that brought me from not knowing Jesus at all to loving Jesus with all my heart and, and living for him in high school. And then when I, was, when I was here, I remember driving back. So this is January like 4th, 2004. I remember driving back to Michigan State, and I'm in my car, and I get about 75% of the way to Michigan State. And I remember making this comment, Lord, I need friends like that at Michigan State. Because at that moment, it came to the realization of the reason I was wandering and the reason I found myself in a desert that first semester was really because of the people that I didn't surround myself with. I wasn't, I wasn't surrounding myself intentionally with people that loved God. So I found myself just kind of drifting in my relationship. So through that season, I really learned about what does it mean to be intentional in your life with the people you hang out with. And I've really put that into so many areas. When I came on staff here, uh, Pastor Daniel's in the room, but I'm going to talk about him in front of his face. Um, uh, I remember I purposely said, I'm going to hang out with Pastor Daniel because he has something that I want. And that was such a profound moment in my life where I said, wow, the people that I... The, the community that I intentionally surround myself with is going to play into who I become as a person. And then I remember um, uh, my parents growing up, my parents had a, 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 a very unhealthy marriage. They got divorced my, my freshman year of college. That semester, that was really bad. That, they got divorced in, in that semester. Um, and I remember the thought of, I don't want a marriage like that. So I purposefully sought out three marriages that I'm like, I want that from me. When I get married, I want that kind of a marriage. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so I purposely hung out and made mental notes of how these couples interacted 
you know, what they did, how they treated each other, how they raised their kids. I made these mental notes because I realized maybe even just the examples that are before me are huge. Yeah, I was just going to say, Tim was mentioning, you know, the circle around you. I think I've heard it said, the people around you shape you. Like, you literally become shaped. It can be even like your physical shape, you know, who you hang out with, you become shaped like them. That can be, yeah, you start to dress them like them, you talk like them. For instance, I... I went out of town this weekend with for our women's getaway with our women's ministry, and a good friend of mine, Rasheen, who's from New Zealand, I told some friends of mine, just wait. Me and her are staying in the same house, and I can't wait until I sound just like her at the end of the week because I pick up dialects, like when I'm around people. If I'm down in Accents. Texas... I am talking like my girlfriend Stephanie, y'all. Like, it just picks up. If I'm around Amanda Vanderklok, I talk just like her. Like, I just pick up what I'm like. And I'm like, there is such a spiritual principle to that. Like, you will talk like the people you are around. You become the people that you are around. So when you're wanting to have a community, I ask you to give yourself a gift. And before you enter... Do some observation. Do some shopping. Like, I mean, before we go and pick a house, we definitely, like, look if it's in the right price range. Is it in a good neighborhood? Am I going to raise my family here? Am I going to feel safe with them riding a skateboard down the street? I'm going to get it inspected. Like, I'm going to bring in the inspector and make sure does it need any repairs. Okay, that's not too big of a repair. You know, not that we're looking for perfect people. But when you are looking, because like there's, there's your mission, there's your bringing the gospel, right? Yes, we are called to the lost. We are called to have friends who are not Christians. We are called to love them, and we are called to bring God to them and not isolate from them. That's not God. But who are we being discipled by? Who are we discipling? Who are we rubbing against? Who are we starting to talk like? Who are we starting to pray like? Who are we starting to have faith like? Who are we believing like? That's what matters. That needs to be inspected. That needs to be taken caution for. So I would say, Like, look around. We have such a beautiful community. There's so many wonderful local churches here. You know, if you're watching online, you know, if you're plugged in, maybe there's someone that you're noticing that they talk a lot online. They're they're replying a lot. You have the same goals in life. If, you know, invite them out to coffee. You know, start taking that extra step. I, you know, during worship here, I was writing a letter to a woman who's been in my life for 30 years. She's been a faithful servant here at Res Life since I was eight years old. And I was about in tears writing a letter to her because there's such faithfulness. And when you stay in a community and you plant your roots deep into a community to have to go through hurt or forgiveness or expectations not being met, you are going through the sanctification process. You should not be abused. That's not okay. You know, definitely walk through that with the Holy Spirit. But when you stay long enough in a community, the faithfulness that God does in that is so rich. If you will allow yourself to be sharpened, because that's not always pleasant, right? Have you been sharpened yeah. at times yeah. with your community? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think really practically, you, you say it's it, it it hurts to get sharpened. You know, like there's moments where there's moments where Pastor Daniel and I've had conversations where he'll come to me and it'll be a sharpening moment for me, where it's like, hey Tim, have you thought about this? You know, and what makes that. What makes that stomachable or whatever, what makes that possible for me to receive that is a realization that Pastor Daniel loves me right. and loves Jesus. Yeah. And I think, it's, I think it's awesome that you brought up, like, we're, we're called, we're not, what we're not saying is you should only hang out with people that are perfect individuals. Because um, there's been one perfect person in the world, he, uh, 
couple thousand years ago, you know, um, and he makes us perfect. But we're not saying like, hey, you don't hang out with anyone that has flaws. But what we're saying is be intentional about those you hang out with and how you hang out with them. Because there's a real reality to the fact of like we're people and we all are walking through this thing called life in a world that's broken and falling apart. And I think, I think all of us, if we looked at the person next to us, I think we could genuinely from the bottom of our hearts say, I want to love Jesus better tomorrow than I did yesterday. Not meaning that yesterday you didn't love Jesus, but you just want to love him better tomorrow. So the heartbeat behind this whole conversation is how do we gather ourselves around people that encourage us to love Jesus more? See, I'm, gonna, I'm making a comment here. That's good, Tim. See, I think we all realize there's a lot of different communities. And there's a lot of different styles. You know, but with the community that we're talking about should be alive. It should be life-giving. Yeah. It should be organic. It should, it should grow. You know, there's communities going on right now that really none of us should be a part of. But they have a community. Yeah. And we're not talking about that kind of community. What we're talking about is a Christ-like community that points you to him. And, you know, the awesome thing about community is that it, it causes you to belong which everybody should belong. And that is a lot of security in belonging. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of adjectives that go with that. You know, in a community, there's an opportunity to give. There's an opportunity to serve. There's an opportunity to care. And that brings fulfillment, and that brings you to your purpose. Because I believe by being in community, God will order your steps. God will direct you. The doors will open out of relationship. That's, yeah, I love that. And staying committed in community is so, so huge. I remember one of my friends, he just, he shared this, shared this with me about community that whenever, so he was leading like a group of people that came over, read the Bible. It's like a Bible study at his house, his apartment on Grand Valley's campus. And over the course of time, there was like, they started to be like this little dissension between like these group of people and this group of people over this relation, you know, just like one of those things of gossip, right? And it's, it says literally in Proverbs, I have it written down here, Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse man spreads dissension and a gossip separates close friends. So like, if you want to, if you want to destroy your community, just gossip, you know, that's, that's it. But so like there was this, this little bit of gossip that started to like sow inside of this community. And I th loved his perspective in this. Because he didn't seem, he didn't seem, the guy who was leading this Bible study, he didn't seem taken aback. He didn't seem like frazzled or really even worried. Because he said, Jared, I'm not threatened by this. I see this as an opportunity for us to grow even closer. And I just feel like, I just want to share that with all of us as we've all experienced communities. You know, people are prickly. Sometimes we get poked. And, but to challenge, to change our perspective a little bit of like, man, when we do get poked, this isn't an opportunity for me to jump ship and leave. This is an opportunity for me to actually have a, a conversation with that person and actually grow our relationship together. And if I look at some of my closest friends right now, it's those people, who, they haven't been perfect in my life in the, the least, but they've been willing to have conversations and I've been willing to say I'm sorry. They've been willing to say I'm sorry. And we've both been willing to exchange forgiveness and move forward. And I actually believe that we love each other more because of that altercation than we would have if that altercation didn't happen. You know? And so, like, staying committed in community and changing our perspective on, like, not looking for a way out, but looking for a way to grow closer even, even through that. So, Yeah. I think that's so true. There is so much vulnerability about letting people close to you because right. they can see, like, what's in your business. Like, when I have to let people over to my house, when it's not clean, they see my business. And it can be oh, scary to let that happen. They might be scared when they see that I don't clean my house all the time. Um, but I think for me, you can get intimidated with opening yourself up. I mean, I think that there's been times that you've opened yourself up and then you've heard 
that they've told five other people about the thing that you opened yourself up. And that happened to me a lot. I kind of like can hear, I do, this is my like evaluation of you, sorry, I'm always evaluating. If I hear you talk about other people (laughs) and you're not part of the story, so you're not coming with like, I need godly, you know, can you be praying with me about how I can show the Lord to this person in this situation, you know? And it's just gossip. I kind of take account of that, of like, if you can do that to them, you will do that to me. And I think, um, you know, Pastor Bernie had mentioned this, and I think it's true. It's so good is there should be a culture of honor. There should be a culture of looking different, right, in this world. Like we do marriage ministry, and we, you know, we've been discussing, we really want to set a culture of honor that if during table discussion time, we're not going to be like, He's just a horrible husband. He doesn't lead our family in family devotions. I'm always having to take the lead. He, you know, he does this and he doesn't do that. But how can we, even as like, you know, volunteers in ministry, pastor in ministry, how can we kind of reprogram, you know, like we are, we are a community that honors. We are a community that brings out the best. We are a community that holds each other accountable. And that word, I think Sydney mentioned this word this week, and I was like, oh, accountability can sound so, ooh, like I don't want to be held accountable. And you're going to tell me, like, did I, you know, get drunk or did I, you know, look at pornography? Usually you hear that word and you think of, like, that's for people who have deep, dark stuff. But I think of accountability as someday I'm going to give an account to did I help you reach your ability? And someday you're gonna give an account to did you help me reach my ability? And so I look at accountability as that's what we're called to in community, right? And I think that that's a shift of the world. You go to people to get something from them and you just wanna get. And when I came, to Res Life and I said, I want to serve at kids camp. Oh, I have to get involved in generations ministry. No problem. I can do that. And I did. I received more than I could ever give in serving the kingdom of God. I received my best friends. I received family that I don't have living next to me right now. I received aunts and uncles for my children to grow up beside. I received that by adopting it in the body of Christ, spiritual aunts and uncles, spiritual grandmas and grandpas that bake my kids cookies on their birthday. Thank you, Sandy. But accountability. So thinking of that, I want to be approaching community as not just you're going to fix all my problems, but I'm going to give an account someday for did I help you reach your ability in Christ? Did I call out your gifts? Did I even take time to tell you that I see this gift of God on you. Sometimes you can break depression. You can break a spirit of suicide when you start focusing on like, wow, that man just like pulled over on the side of the road, changed that person's tire. I'm going to just go tell him how much God loves him and he sees him in that moment. And I just can't believe that he would take the time to do that. Or just calling out those things in people. That alone will break off, you know, the the hold that this world has on us, that relationship isn't worth it, that it's not worth giving yourself to be in a real relationship with people. I think it's so uh, key to make the realization that for a community to be healthy, it has to be a two-way thing. It can't be, I'm just all to give, and it can't, it also can't be, I'm just to get. It's got to be like, we're in this together. We're encouraging each other. We're challenging and we're growing and we want to be more like Jesus than we have been. So I kind of want to, I kind of want to wrap with this. Can any of you speak into practical steps that we could do if we don't have a community? This could be anything from like a way to reach out to a friend or to find a community here at Res Life. Or it could be, um, on, like I think of online, could it be something with our online ministry. Practical things that we could do to say, hey, I want to be able to do something tomorrow morning 
so that I could take a step towards finding a healthy community where I can grow closer to God. Can any of you think of like a practical? Yeah, absolutely. I think one, I think Rachel mentioned one of them, or maybe you mentioned one, but like if you're, if you're watching online, like just take notice of who's watching with you. And you're like, hey, just send them like a quick message on Facebook or on YouTube, you know, like whoever it is, right? Like it's so easy to like be connected uh, like online. Just send them a message just say like, hey, I've seen you here in the chat like every single week. Like, how's it going? You're <laughs> like, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, like just that's like a simple practical step that you could do just to take that first step there yeah. online. You could, you could also even add on to that like, Every morning throughout the week, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., we do 7 at 7. For those of you online, join 7 at 7 every day so that you can find that intentional community. Because, because your community doesn't have to be someone that's right next to you. It could be someone that's on the other side of the world if they're there for you and you're there for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, for us, like, sitting, for us sitting in the room, I mean, it literally could look like looking across the room and saying, hey, my name's Jared. What's your name? Yeah. I mean, a lot, of you, a lot of you guys, which is awesome, come every single Wednesday. Yeah. You know, maybe you just start sitting next to somebody you don't normally sit next to. Yeah. Or you all just like sit in a group together and you talk a little bit before service, talk a little bit after service. Like that's... Yeah, it, you said it. Like it could be one practical step could be showing up five minutes earlier than you have been or staying five minutes later. And I know like we're in the boat where we've got four kids. Uh, so it's hard to, to, to take that practical step, but it could be just, Hey, I'm going to be intentional about grabbing a cup of coffee and saying hi to somebody else that I've, that I've seen. And how cool I, I thought about this, how cool it is like the the Lord can highlight people to you. If there's someone that it's like you feel like the Lord's drawing you to get to know them because of a healthy community purpose, like get to know them. Ask their name. It doesn't mean like tonight you're going to like tell everything that you're going to talk all about how dirty your house is to use your illustration. Uh, like it doesn't mean like you're going to go to like you're not going to go from level zero to ten in five minutes. You know what I mean? That would not be healthy because there is a very gentle stepping into community process, which because, because of the vulnerability that you talked about, Pastor Merle. Absolutely. And I love, there's a famous minister. He's been here a few times. You probably you guys probably all know him, Andrew Womack, but I, I listen to him a lot. And one thing he says pretty frequently is, you know, I'm going to shoot for the stars. If I hit the stars, great. Like, but if I hit the moon on the way to the stars, that's good too. Like, and he says like, hey, I haven't arrived where I'm going, but I've definitely left. Right. And, you know, you don't have to, you know, you're not going to get into like an amazing God giving life breathing, life changing community like tonight, you know, the next, you know, you could praise God. That'd be awesome. But like, you know, we're not saying like sometimes there's a level of shame that's associated with this when we're talking about these godly communities, because you're like, wow, this seems so daunting. Like all of these things go into a godly community. I don't have any of them. Like, what do I do? And my encouragement to you is you haven't arrived. Guess what? We haven't either, but we're not asking you to arrive. We're asking you to leave, like start the process, you know, and that process could start tonight just by saying, hey, to somebody, you know, that's in the room right now or messaging somebody. If you're online, you know, joining seven on seven tomorrow morning, like that leaving could start tonight. And who knows if you stay on that course, who knows where you could be? give it two months, three months, four months, you know? So come on. That's awesome, man. I'm looking at the time and I'm like, oh, it's 732 already. Pastor Merle, would you do me a favor? And can you just pray over us like that we would step deeper into community that would be life-giving? Would you pray over us? Lord, we just thank you that each of us have experienced your love and how you reached out to us and you included us and you build relationship with us, and God, I pray that you would open people's eyes, put a hunger in their heart, cause them to see the benefit, and God, I pray that you would encourage them to step out and be a friend, be friendly, be inviting, and God, we just pray that you will encourage them like everything that we do. God, we sow, we reap, we give, we receive, we're friendly, we receive a friend. God, it's, it's so cool.
to be in relationship with you. And God, help us to practice what you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on. Come on. This was fun. So this is, this is what we're going to do. It's 7.33. There's a little bit of time before normally you'd be taken off. Um, for those of you that are online, if you're in a place where you're like, I would love community, if you're on Facebook, reach out to us through Messenger. We would love to help you with that. If you're on our church online platform, get in that prayer chat, ask for prayer so you can kind of be more discreet in exactly what you're looking for because we want to help connect you. And then for you guys that are uh, in person here, I want to leave a space for you guys to actually maybe get to know a person that's here. Just say hi. It could be giving him your name. It could be talking about where you work. It could be talking about what your favorite thing to do when it's beautiful outside like this is. But just getting to have conversation and getting to be seen. One thing that I like to say and that we're, we're, we say around here is everybody wants to be seen, heard, and known. Everyone wants to know that someone sees them. All of us want to know that someone hears us, and all of us have a desire to be known by others and by our God. And uh, it's, a, it's an incredible opportunity that we have. So whether you're online or you're in here, we want to make a space for you in that. But there's one thing that I want to make sure that I do before we wrap up today. We talked a lot about the community and having an intentional community of growing closer to Jesus. And that all starts with one decision to say, Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. So I want to ask you, have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? That means that first, you believe that Jesus uh, lived a perfect life and died on the cross. That, that means second, that you believe that he rose again. And third, you accept him as your Lord and Savior. It's just three simple things. And my question to you is, have you made that decision? Tonight, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have everyone, would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to count to three. And if you'd say, today, I want to make that decision, can you just raise your hand up if that's you? I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, just raise up your hand. If you're online, you can join online and say, that's me. But if you're in here, uh, I'm going to count to three. If that's you, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise up your hand right now if that's you. Yep, hands going up. Come on, hands going up. All right, this is what I'm going to do. If you want to go ahead, put your hands down. And I'm just going to ask everyone to repeat after me. If you're joining us online, repeat also. Say, Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I recognize that you lived a perfect life that you died on that cross, you paid for my sins, and you rose again on the third day. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, can you guys give them a hand?